and good morning, Dr. Drills Making Motivation Podcast on an overcast Wednesday, almost 8 a.m., Wednesday the 2nd of September 2020. tired. You know, pretty friggin' tired. But, otherwise in good spirits, heading down to the office for a busy day. Just listening to our friend Schmachtenberger again last night. He had an interesting uh, conversation. <clears throat> talking about, talking about uh, the coronavirus, truth and fiction and sense making in the midst of this, it was one of the better conversations that I have heard on that note. I was talking about the two different sections of people, those who ascribe to a conspiracy theory that this is all a ruse and a big power grab uh, pandemic or whatever that those people are immediately leery of uh, power grabs governmental power grabs in these particular times he said that uh, you know obviously that's crazy to assent to one degree but to another, the fact of the matter is, during a time like this, when everything is changing, <clears throat> and nobody really has any complete sense of what's going on, and those that are in power, it is their natural tendency to do whatever they possibly can to exert that power asymmetrically. In other words, they want to they want to retain their positions. They want to retain, they're desperate to retain their power, whether we're talking about the President of the United States, who is, you know, his term is within this zany period where we seem to have mismanaged this virus. That is a real thing. There's been 180,000 people who have died. I mentioned the other day, I believe I did, that there was one of my chiropractic peers, and, and plenty of other people, I should add, but one of my peers posted very boldly on Facebook that uh, you know, he knew it, you know, only 6% of the, of the deaths were contributed or contributed to uh, were directly related to coronavirus so it was a major overestimation and the problem is that they counted all these people that had other you know comorbidities they also counted them in the numbers and that's why they were so high and that these people would have if they didn't die of coronavirus they would have died of something else this is foolishness, okay? Just uh, as any medical, medically trained individual, anybody with knowledge of healthcare or common sense can tell you that 
human beings, particularly as we get a little bit older, across time we start to accumulate morbidity. So it might be arthritis. You have a bad back, then you have a comorbidity. Are you overweight? Do you have a comorbidity? You're, you're obese. Now, do you have asthma? Doesn't matter since if you've had it since you were a child. Doesn't matter if it's exercise-induced asthma. You have a, a morbidity. High blood pressure? I don't know about you, but I have on in my medical chart it says, you know, uh, history, family history of hypertension, and there were some there was a period during which my blood pressure was up. So I take some medicine for that. Everybody, you know, no one is perfect, you know, and, and yes, we need to eat better food and get more rest and live in a less stressful society and exercise daily and stretch and do yoga and meditate <clears throat> and take supplements and have positive relationships. Yeah, all those things are important and we don't do enough of them and there's, there is chronic disease that exists because... We have terrible lifestyles, unsustainable lifestyles that contribute to our health or lack thereof. So, but the notion that only six percent of the of the patients only had, they might have only had COVID nineteen. So, no other. That means that six percent of those uh, recorded deaths were in people who had no other symptoms, no other. Um, comorbidities to manage. So we can, in those cases, say, well, just the coronavirus killed them. When the fact of the matter is, this new virus that we're still trying to get information on and determine exactly its effects and transmission and all that shit, It is the type of thing where clinicians, they cannot, they can't predict, you know, how it's going to affect an individual necessarily. We've learned much, but this has only been six months now. And if you have hypertension, if you have asthma or COPD or you're overweight, this virus could kill you. Whereas those other morbidities would kill you, but maybe decades down the road, so very slowly. Chronic diseases, the definition of them is a, it's a slower process that if untreated, these things could kill you, but they're going to kill you down the road. You have high blood pressure? Okay, you'll be okay right now. Your blood pressure's up today. It's usually up? Okay. Well, long term, that's not good. Long term, that could mean uh, you know, heart disease, stroke, something like that. A decade from now, three decades from now, five decades from now. But with coronavirus, when when that hitches a ride, it's going to put the screws to you. It's going to put the pressure on. It's associated with uh, respiratory phenomenon. It's also associated with uh, clotting defects throughout the body. So, you know, hyperimmune response. There's all these things. So to say that 
you know, people that immediately jump on and say, oh, the CDC's numbers. Well, these organizations aren't perfect, CDC and the World Health Organization. Certainly they fuck up, and they, they should share some of the blame. But anybody who would interpret this data to mean that, you know, it only killed six people, really, because those other people, they were going to die of those things. These are probably some fat fucks, some stupid motherfuckers that have, if you, you know, look through their medical charts, you'll see that they have conditions that they're being treated for, whether it's obesity or type 2 diabetes or arthritis or whatever. None of us are, like, perfect health-wise. <clears throat> so anyway, that's the context on that. <clears throat> During this conversation, he also... So it was one of the better conversations uh, on coronavirus theory that I've heard. Now, he said, while he said conspiracy theorists are ridiculous, on the one hand... Because they, you know, would make a statement like that, make an assumption that it's only 6% dead of the 180,000, and to downplay those numbers, he said it's, that's the thumb you nose at the entire medical establishment, which is managing these patients, you know, that have seen, you know, some of the horrors, people stuck on ventilators, put them on ventilators, and they come off dead, you know, or they can't function thereafter, you know, it's like, it's a big deal. It's not something small that we can just, okay, fuck these masks, it's a big joke. And, you know, people will take it seriously, and then they won't wear a mask, or they won't take precautions, and they'll take it seriously, and then they can get sick and die, or worse, make other people sick and sick and die. So we still have to be vigilant. He went on to talk about, with his, with his podcast host, Whatever show he was on, it was a pretty good one, and he's talking about how he used to be, uh, he's talking about politics, talking about um, asymmetric power, and how people who possess asymmetric power, which means that, uh, I interpret to mean that a lot of power, like you've worked hard, and won in, in the game of life, in game theory, and you've come home with victory, and now you are sitting on top of some government uh, got some government post or you've got a lot of money or whatever it is and the whole idea is to keep that money and make more and get more amass more power so people don't want to if they're powerful and rich they don't want to get rid of that the idea is to double down and, and and tendency is to take all that you possibly can and so that's why the rich and the powerful are in one big power grab scenario and he's saying that the people that are that wind up in these situations that that, you know, right now in America, our sense-making, our logic, our problem-solving, it sucks. Like, we look like, he was saying that most of the historic empires, they lasted two to three hundred years. Well, we're, we're at 250 years. Yeah. Will the trend continue? Because it seems like we are coming unraveled at the seams. And I hope that's not the case. It, it seems impossible 
but every day I see people that are at each other's throats. Somebody yesterday said, oh, is it me? Are people really mean and just angry on social media? And my immediate response is, well, that's your group, that's your friends, that's your, you know, the company you keep. But it's true that everybody is a little bit on edge and a little bit wary and, and guarding themselves. And so he went on to talk about how, I guess, he, he was a marriage counselor for a while. This guy's really interesting, Schmachtenberger. I want to I want to learn more about it, but I guess he did couples counseling, marriage counseling. He said one of the things that he, uh, he said everybody should be a marriage counselor because <clears throat> you, you really get to see people, you know, like the, the wife is always convinced that if, if it were, these things were changed about her husband or her spouse, that everything would be solved and there wouldn't be any problems. And the husband similarly says, oh, well, if she didn't do, if she, if only she would stop doing this or, you know, everything would be all right. But one of the exercises that he, he employed, which may be a, a common exercise to employ in marriage counseling, he said that uh, <clears throat> he would, t- he would ask the spouses to say, to, um, predict, you know, to, to, um, look at things from their, their husband's point of view, let's say, and predict as, act as though you were him. What is he complaining about? What what is his axe to grind? What would his perspective be? And say it. And he's Schmachtenberger said, you know, they, they were notoriously poor at this because they were out of communication and not listening to one another. But if you think about that, and he said, truly, if you're looking to engage in a, a conversation, an argument, and you're trying to extract the truth, like you're not trying to be right. And so you really are determined for your marriage to, to be better. To be to to improve, to thrive. Well, then you want to determine the truth. You don't want to just be right, right? You want to know. Well, how am I fucking up? So I thought that that was pretty cool and interesting to look at things from your spouse's point of view and say, you know what? I know what she's going to say. Like, really, like, search yourself for, for your flaws and the things that she complains about sometimes. It made me ref, um, go introspective and try to try to determine, figure out what it is that my, that my wife would be unhappy with, with me about. Like, beyond uh, leaving my shoes under the coffee table. We had a little pet peeve. Uh, lunch time, lunch hour conversation, the whole family, like, oh, I hate when you do this. I hate when you leave your toiletries out. Uh, my thing is like, well, I'm going to use them the very next day. I need those things. I don't need, I need the seconds that would, it would take me to pull them out of the drawer. So I just leave my deodorant and my brush and my beard balm and my razor. I leave them out. If I leave them neat and I leave them in the, in the corner of the sink, yeah, that's something that, or you don't put the toilet, new toilet paper on the roll, okay? 
And we all have, like, axes to grind like that. I wish she wouldn't do that. I wish she wouldn't shop as much. I wish we would have a more of a saving mentality in our home. Uh, I wish that we would spend more time together. I think many couples and individuals, you know, people not married, in relationships, friends, whatever, if you're going to try to repair and uh, whatever might be wrong and maximize on the on the relationship, you would want to engage in a conversation the, with the idea being, you know, like, what am I hearing? What, what Where's the truth? And how can I really, like, troubleshoot this situation, this environment, and... And, and solve it, you know. Determine if it's if it's if it's worth solving. If I'm if I'm willing to give on this particular issue. So I thought that that was pretty stinking neat. One last thing on the coronavirus and this conversation that he that I listened to, he said, uh, you know, one of the things that we, we hear about, you know, can we pass it from person to person and do you have to be symptomatic, asymptomatic? Is the patient going to have a, a fever? What are their symptoms going to be? Are they going to be asymptomatic for weeks or months before they contract it, before they can uh, pass it on? And he said, and what about animals? If this is the sort of thing that this virus came supposedly from an animal reservoir, like a bat or a pangolin or whatever, people studying bats... If this virus can be contracted by animals, like neighborhood squirrels and cats and dogs and so on and so forth, what are our hopes of ever suppressing it? Like, it's hard enough to control human behavior and say, okay, this is how we're going to behave while this vaccine, get this vaccine out and delivered and who's going to actually take it and how do we get rid of it? Like, in the way that we would get rid of Ebola. You have to take drastic measures to try to, you know, starve the virus and prevent it from, from growing, right? Unfortunately, even though this virus is bad, it's a lot less lethal than something, you know, a virus could be. So this is a, this is a good training ground. But how do you suppress it? And could you suppress it if it is completely, if it is um, in other biological reservoirs. So if it's not a virus that humans evolved around, you know, there's all kinds of critters, bacteria, and viruses that our bodies are familiar to. Because this one could have been Frankensteined out in the result of some sort of research How will, how well will we be able to thwart the virus? Can we do so completely? Some good questions there, but I think uh, my favorite part of it was the uh, the marriage counseling thing. And and hey, you just say what her problem is with you, and she says what your problem is with her, and you 
kind of look at it from each other's point of view. With the goal being to determine the truth. Very few people really can uh, converse, discuss, argue like that. We just want to be right. Most people just want to be right. And that's, uh, that's a problem because it gets us nowhere. Flying their flags. You got a guy over here with a, a big flag post with a, a Biden flag waving in the you know, 30 foot in the air. Wearing our candidates on our bodies, on our hats, on our front lawns. Inviting conversations, telling people who we are, what we believe in, like it matters at all. What other people's opinion of are of us? Are we trying to be influencers, election influencers? Ain't got no time for that shit. 